Hello, everybody. My name is Seth Dubois, and this is the Experience by Bike podcast. This is episode number one, where I'll be talking with Ben Handrich. Ben is a, uh, a bike packer, he's a runner, and he is a, an athlete with Team Northwest Competitive Adventure. Ben recently competed in the BC Epic 1000, which is an ultra-endurance ultra self-supported bikepacking race that takes place in British Columbia. So the majority of this uh, conversation will just be about Ben's experience during that race, uh, what he did leading up to it to prepare, and just about you know general things bikepacking. Ben was gracious enough to, uh, to host me <laughs> at his house. Um, so we're here now and Ben is, uh, yeah, Ben's with me. Thanks for having me, Ben. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So in terms of bikepacking, I guess, what, what got you into bikepacking? Man, um, you know, I, I was a runner, um, kind of early on as an adult and, um, got my first bike when I was in my early twenties and got into road biking initially and, just kind of started getting the bug. I was following, um, <clears throat> I was following Cass Gilbert and Logan, um, Watts. They both had these really amazing blogs with beautiful photography of, of bikepacking. And it seemed like this new hip thing. And, um, that was back in <laughs> like 2013 probably. And, um, you know, obviously Logan, he's, he's now one of the co-writers and co-founders of bikepacking.com and i think uh cass is as well actually right oh okay i, I, I wasn't i wasn't sure of cass yeah i know i know that logan is yeah he's at least i, I he's one of the he's you know one of the contributors um mm -hmm. quite a bit but those two really kind of inspired me to start looking into it more um so i started out just being more of a of a mountain biker or uh, like a mountain bike oriented bike packer um kind of making some of my own routes out in oregon um, then I started my own little kind of adventure blog just to reflect on my experiences um, and eventually just started following some of the racers out there. Um, you know, Neil Belchenko was really inspiring to me early on. He was just, mm -hmm. he was such an amazing rider on the Colorado trail race. Um, when he got that record under four day ride, it just was this amazing um, uh, feat that I, <laughs> I just couldn't quite fathom how someone could ride that <laughs> that route so quickly um you know yeah, jay no peterberry was one of those one of those guys as well early on and then once leo wilcox got on the scene um i was just like you know i love bike packing and um you know i rode the colorado trail with a friend and um after doing that one i was like oh, man i've got to i've got to start doing some of this racing so um you know, that was kind of how it started, just like a road biker at first, mm -hmm. started getting into mountain biking and then started doing kind of weekend warrior trips uh, and just kept kind of pushing the days longer and longer. So, yeah. Okay, awesome. Was the was the Colorado Trail your, like, one of your first bikepacking experiences? Um, I think it was one of my first major uh, rides, yeah. I had done a number of weekend rides and it, um, you know, I'd been kind of making my own routes in Oregon and then posting them on this, on this website of mine. And, um, my buddy that lives out in, he actually lived out in Colorado at the time, kept saying, you know, you and I need to get together and do this, this Colorado trail sometime together. And I was like, oh my goodness, let's, let's do a little <laughs> bit and see how well we do. And then if it's really awesome, maybe the next year we, we go back and do the whole thing. Um, and so we did that. We, we did like 200 miles of the Colorado trail and I did it on this big steel frame surly Krampus that I had at the oh, time. Man, that's awesome. Um, and he was using this kind of old salsa. Um, oh, it was a, it was a hard tail. That's kind of one of their classics, uh, El Mariachi. That's what it was. Okay. I don't know yeah. if you, yep, I've heard of that. I think that they discontinued it, but it's kind of like a classic, uh, old, like, uh, salsa bike. So we were both on these, um, kind of niche cult classic mountain bikes. And after doing that 200 miles, we were just like, yeah, let's, let's do this. So, um, two summers after that, we, we both got together then in Oregon and did like a six day ride in Oregon. And then the following year we did the Colorado trail. 
Oh, okay, got it. Yeah, it's definitely a um a a more reasonable way of getting into the Colorado Trail. It sounds like as a uh, as a newly um as a new bike packer. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not one to start with. Um, it's you know the weather is pretty scary, especially in the San Juans, which is kind of the last like 150 miles before you're you're riding into Durango. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just up at a, <clears throat> you know, around 10,000 or 11,000 feet a lot of the time. Um, storms roll in in the afternoons. There's tons of hiking up there. You're just not riding your bike. So I think, I think it's a really cool experience, but definitely one that you should not use as your kind of, <laughs> um, you know, maiden voyage for bikepacking. Right. <laughs> and then, so for the, um, for that ride, uh, I know on your blog, you've been, you've been posting videos also. Um, what is your, what's your, um, the blog website? Uh, it's called pedals, packs and Pinos and, uh, Pinos is in like the wine that's from the, uh, Willamette Valley. So P I N O T. And yeah, it's just kind of, it, it focuses mostly on, um, just, you know, the rides around here locally. Um, you know, I had the uh, pleasure of riding the Oregon Timber Trail, a route created uh, largely by by Gabe Amadeus, um, and he had a couple other key contributors. But I rode that uh, two summers ago, and um, yeah, I started kind of getting into into creating short videos, kind of like video narratives of some of the rides that I do. So I have a day to day kind of narrative video built around the Colorado trail. Um, I have one for the Oregon timber trail, uh, and then one for the Oregon outback, which is kind of a gravel. Um, yeah, kind of a fun, just easier gravel ride. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's awesome. It's, um, it's really, uh, you know, I think valuable, important to, to be, to have people that are, um, are sharing that type of content information. Um, it definitely helps make, uh, make these routes and experiences seem a little bit more, um, uh, not necessarily attainable, but, um, easier accessible, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think it's nice. Um, you know, I'm, I'm no videographer by any means, so they're really <laughs> just, they're kind of just me having fun, um, with some basic editing tools. Just but documenting your experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just kind of documenting and it's nice for me to look back on, um, at these kind of shared experiences I've had with friends. Um, and it's also fun to kind of capture important moments, um, mm-hmm. in those trips, you know, bikepacking, I think a lot of times there's these moments that are like capstone moments that you remember in a ride. Um, and I think that when everything works perfectly and you're able to capture it on film and kind of, um, immortalize that moment, it makes it really, uh, just this amazing thing to look back on, um, and, uh, enjoy, you know, for, for, for years afterwards. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, um, photography is definitely my, my big factor, as you know, in terms of documenting, uh, documenting rides and events. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a big part of my life just being able to, to look back on something like that. Yeah. It's really nice having you along on trips because (laughs) you do such a good job of that. So I appreciate um, it. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, I I agree though. It's, it's fun to kind of have one of those, you know, small hobbies that you enjoy that are kind of a side gig that you do alongside a bikepacking experience, especially when you're doing a social, a social bikepacking experience, right? right? Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Um, so sidestepping from, uh, from cycling for a moment, you just won the, uh, the silver falls, um, trail marathon. And I believe you said it was in around three hours, 15 minutes Mm -hmm. and just off the course record. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I didn't know I was that close and I finished and, uh, the announcer said that, uh, he's like, Oh, he was just over a minute from getting the course record set in 2013. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, that, that is a really cool trail run. That's man. it, It should be a bucket list item for anybody that loves trail running. Um, 
it's such a well-run event. Um, the The course itself is absolutely beautiful. You end the course with um, like six waterfalls that you run by on your way oh, back. Oh man, that's amazing. Yeah, on your way back up to the uh, to the finish line. So, uh, and then and then the ending is just amazing. They have basically an all you can eat buffet of some great chili and some other items. They give you free beer at the end. They give people that are supporting uh, the runners free beer at the end. So it's just, it's just a really cool social event uh, afterwards and everybody's getting together and talking about their experience. So um, they make good community at that event for sure. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. I've, I've been to, to Silver Falls once it's been, uh, it's been a couple of years ago. So um yeah i definitely love to make it back i heard the or at least i heard from you that the uh the trails weren't necessarily in optimal condition for that (laughs) (laughs) well i think this is probably about as good as it gets but silver falls just is like i don't know it's it's basically just perma mud so there are sections (laughs) that i think must just like be muddy all year round okay yeah so um Perma mud's a great way of, <laughs> of yeah, defining it just, that. It just, I don't think it's ever, ever dry. So, um, so yeah, it was a super dry uh, October, which made actually for really good conditions on the trails. But even so, you know, there were sections where my foot kind of got stuck in, you know, almost not quite ankle deep, but ankle, you know, close to ankle deep in mud. And um, yeah, there's a water crossing around mile nine. So. Uh, it's definitely oh, nice. an adventure. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, um, is that, that race or event leading you to, uh, to explore, uh, more of the, the ultra side of running or are you, are you set with the, the marathon distance? <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to kind of see. I, I do like, um, that was my first trail run. So, um, I would definitely do more of those in the future. In the past, mm-hmm. I've always done road uh, half marathons and marathons. So, um, yeah, I could see myself getting into a 50K or a 50 miler down the road. Um, I think that right now, well, I've still got like some speed in my legs. I want to keep at the somewhat shorter distances. Um, but I think, yeah, I could see in a few years, I could see myself doing a 50 miler. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a, a separate level, I guess, from the marathoning. It's yeah, very <laughs> it takes a little game. bit more dedication. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess stepping into into the uh, the main event, the BC Epic One Thousand, that was I think that was June 29th, if I'm not correct. Yep. Okay, yep. or if I'm not wrong. Um, so what did you what did you do to? Uh, well, first of all, what made you decide to sign up for it for that race? Man, what did um actually while you um while you think about that, yeah. I'm just gonna gonna explain a little bit about uh what the BC Epic one thousand is. Yeah, totally. I'll give me some time <laughs> to think. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> um yeah, so the BC Epic one thousand is a one thousand kilometer uh self supported bike race. Um it starts in uh Merritt, British Columbia, and travels east to Fernie, British Columbia. Um, since it's self-supported, uh, there is, there are, uh, there's no assistance on route. You have to figure out what you want to do for food. You have to want figure out what you want to do for sleeping, whether it's in a hotel, um, whether it is camping, uh, in terms of, um, preparing for the race, if you sleep in a hotel, you can't book them before the race starts. Um, so it's all, it's just, you know, completely self-supported and you have to, uh, figure out, all of your logistics to make it from, from start to end. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, that, you know, that as I was thinking, uh, about what had spurred that specific route, um, I rode, so I rode the Oregon timber trail in 2018, which is, it's a more mountain bike specific, um, kind of single track heavy ride. That's from basically the Southern tip of Oregon to the, to the Northern tip. And, um, I did that with somebody that I didn't know. Uh, his okay. name's Miles Arbor, and he's he's all he's a contributor to bikepacking.com. Um, he's from I think kind of roughly around Kelowna, um, but I think he's he's how he was 
usually housed in British Columbia somewhere. Uh, he lives, uh, he does live in a van um, with his girlfriend. And um, he and I rode this and got to know each other really well. And he had ridden the BC Epic um, the year before. Okay. And so he had mentioned it a couple times on our ride together. And it came back to me um, kind of in the wintertime uh, that, that just the name is I was kind of looking over what I wanted to do for the summer, if I was going to try my first race. Um, and I actually just ended up emailing him back and forth a little bit and saying like, Hey, can you tell me more about the BC Epic? Um, like, would it be a good starting, uh, bikepacking race for me if I'm looking to kind of get into that as a sport? Um, so he was the one that prompted, uh, my interest in that specific event, Okay, and, got it. Uh, and from there, we, you know, it kind of became finalized in my, in my schedule. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And was um, I know, you are you're considering Tour Divide this year or for 2020. Um, is that was the the course choice or the race choice uh, a factor in that? Definitely. Yeah. Okay. I mean the 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 Tour Divide is. You know, it's been one that as soon as I was getting into this, uh, just as a recreational activity, mm-hmm. I was like, oh man, Tour Divide, like that's, that's like the Magnus Opum of, of <laughs> right. bikepacking, right? Yeah. At least in the United States. Um, you know, it's that and it's the Arizona Trail and the Colorado Trail, you know, in my head at least. So, um, I think that's I'd, fair. Yeah, those are kind of the one, <laughs> the triple crown for me, of, right. you know, when I think of bikepacking. So, um, and they're all so different too, but, um, but yeah, it was always in the back of my mind. And I, in talking with miles, it sounded like the BC Epic was just a really good initiation into mm-hmm. the sport of ultra endurance cycling. You know, I'd been doing it for years at that point, but it was like, it's a good one to learn, uh, what level of uh pain you can endure uh (laughs) over over a few days because it's it's relatively short um the terrain is relatively mild so um so yeah i think i was like you know if if this goes well and i have fun and i don't injure myself maybe maybe tour divide could be after so yeah that was definitely kind of in my uh, mental periphery as I was kind of preparing for it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that's, that was, um, so I didn't, I didn't mention this before, but, uh, the reason we know each other is because we both signed up for the race and, um, there was a Facebook group and a couple of people reached out via Facebook messenger. Um, I'm in Portland, Oregon, Ben's in Salem, Oregon. And, uh, so there's just a group of people that kind of reached out and they're like, Hey, we're all, you know, living close together. We might as well, um, try to get a couple of rides in together. And, uh, yeah, so that was my, my thought process for this race. It's tour divide is kind of in my thought process as well. And I've heard that this, uh, this route is kind of, uh, potentially a good, good simulation, I guess, <laughs> to get into that. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, the more we've had the opportunity to ride together, um, you know, this is, this is Seth's first, first official podcast, but, um, humility aside, he's a pretty killer rider himself. Um, (laughs) set, set a pretty awesome pace for the Mazama 1000, um, ended up getting second for that, ended up getting second for the BC Epic, um, has done a couple other, uh, races as well, but, um, it's, it's just really fun having like a small community of racers in our area that, um, you know, we can call upon and say, Hey, you right. want to go out for a weekend and, and kind of jump on the pain train and see how far we can go in two <laughs> days. Um, you know, I know that come, come February, March, I'll probably be reaching out to Seth quite a bit and, and just seeing, you know, Hey, uh, there's this 200 miler that would be really fun to do Saturday, Sunday. And yeah, definitely. Um, as we're kind of looking over our training schedules and stuff. So, yeah, I think that's, that's the, um, the nice thing about the, uh, the sport and the community anyways, like even if people, um, aren't into, to, uh, like these type of races or training, um, it's, it's still, it, it can still be pretty easy to find somebody who's willing to, to just go out and do like a sub 24 hour ride or, 
uh, you know, multi-day. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, you know, you just, you really, you can get into the sport with, with a couple panniers and a backpack. So mm-hmm. it, yep. it doesn't take a whole lot to, to try it out. And, um, if you can kind of try to build a bit of community around you, it, sometimes it happens slowly depending on where you're at, but, um, you know, you have those contacts that you can always reach out to as that community builds and see if anybody's up for a ride. It's yeah. really cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, so let's see prior, prior to the race leading into it. Um, this is your, this is your first self-supported ultra endurance race. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that you, you know, that you've got to consider in terms of training, in terms of, um, you know, training your body, potentially training your mind for the, (laughs) for the experience, um, looking at logistics and gear. Uh, what, what type of stuff did you, did you do to prepare and what do you think, um, what do you feel was most, uh, most useful for you? That is a layered question. Yeah, I guess I could have started with just one question. <laughs> no, that's that's such a good question. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'll start with training, and mm-hmm. um, you know, I'd be interested on your thoughts on this as well. But sure. um, this was my first. I'm gonna do my training differently uh, this year, uh, but that was my first um, my first attempt at the sport, and I was actually. I ran the Boston Marathon in April, and so then I only had, you know, I had that's April fifteenth, and then the race, the, uh, the BC Epic was June 29th. So I had, you know, a two and a half is that right? Two and a half month window where I had mm-hmm. to really quickly shift gears and do all biking. So, um, you know, I didn't sign up for a whole lot of races um, to get in shape. It was more about doing a lot of kind of interval training and hill training, uh, pretty intentional with both of those during the week. Uh, I also do two, two, like, um, two weights classes, uh, twice a week. That was kind of like my general weekday work. And then I would go out the week during the weekend, uh, and, and try to find some really cool secluded, uh, route to do and spend the weekend out, you know, in a different part of Oregon each weekend and just do a ton of gravel riding. So, um, that was kind of my pattern. I up mileage so that I could get up to around, um, I was trying to do about 200 miles a week after I was in decent shape after that first three or four weeks. Okay. So it sounds like it was, you were pretty, um, uh, relatively like scheduled in your training regimen. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I have a lot more experience creating a training plan with running. So I kind of built it around Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. same style, um, with, you know, hill repeats, interval training. Um, I would always just do one kind of fun ride during the week as well. And then the weekend was all about getting long, long days in on the saddle. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's definitely one of the, the most important aspects, like those long days. And then, getting just a, you know, just a handful of overnighters in to actually be able to test your gear and, um, you know, see how you're going to, going to manage these (laughs) multi-days. Yeah. And that was the part that I, you know, I didn't get a whole lot of actual overnighters in before I had a lot of experience bike packing. So I knew my basic setup. Um, but I was also, man, I, I, I was going to use my mountain bike and that was the plan. And so I had totally done kind of some overhaul work on my mountain bike to make it more, um, to make it lighter and to mm-hmm. make it, yeah. uh, <laughs> just less of a mountain bike and more of like a cross country comfortable gravel bike. Um, but just the more I, the more I used it, the more I was like, you know, I don't know if this is the right bike for the job. It's pretty heavy. It's got this huge, it's got like 130 mil front suspension. Um, and I ended up, I ended up switching bikes a month before I did the ride. Yeah. I I ended up doing, I ended up using my gravel bike, um, which was pretty much ready to go other than a couple small changes. And, um, yeah, that was pretty, pretty big, pretty big change, um, to make on the fly like that. But I felt comfortable with both bikes and it just seemed like the right option at the time. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. It's, uh, 
you know, preparing for something like this and especially like the gear. I feel like I love, I love creating, like creating the gear list and, you know, packing, repacking the bike, but it can just get to a point where it's obsessive and <laughs> you're thinking way too much about it. Um, yeah. So sometimes just figuring out just, you know, just going with your gut and, and figuring out what you're going to be most comfortable with. That's, right. that's pretty great, especially in terms of, uh, in terms of, uh, getting an optimal mental state before the race. Yeah. Yeah. I think I totally agree. And everybody had been telling me to use my mountain bike. So I think I had been going along with what everyone had been telling me when in the back of my mind, I was like, man, you have this great gravel bike. That's totally capable. That's way lighter. Why aren't you just using that? But I was just trying to go with what others were telling me. And then, yeah, made the switch was great in the end i'm not sure which bike would have been better it's probably kind of a wash but um i felt more confident using my gravel bike so i think that at least mentally going into it that was good yeah yeah that's huge and for the uh for the 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 gear nerds or the bike nerds what's your what's your bike yeah so the bike that i ended up using it's a y cycles r plus and uh it is a gravel it's labeled kind of a gravel adventure bike um it can use 700 c wheels or 650b um like 27.5 inch tires and i opted to use the 27.5 inch 2.1 tires um just to have a little bit uh more comfort um i also used a lau fork which for those people that don't know it's like a very it's like a 30 mil travel um suspension fork that's made of carbon fiber but has these three little um kind of like like leaf springs in a way yeah exactly yeah (laughs) yeah leaf springs that i don't know what they're made of like a glass composite i think is what they call it i'm not sure (laughs) yeah i don't know but they basically just flex um so they they take out a lot of the small vibrations that happen in gravel um and you know over the long over the course of a lot of miles i think it does take away some of the fatigue that your arms feel from just being uh rattled around for a long time so so yeah i used lau fork um 27.5 by 2.1 inch tires um had a one by system 42 tooth chain ring in the front um now we're getting really nerdy (laughs) 11 by 46 cassette in the back so um pretty solid for climbing it was okay for climbing i think it was probably i think for the tour divide i'll probably switch out the front cog um i'll probably put on like a 38 okay chain ring in the front um maybe even 36 but but not bad yeah it was doable so but yeah, that was that was my setup. I'd love to hear, in contrast, yours because yours was quite a bit different. Yeah, it was. Um, so it was fully rigid, uh, specialized stump jumper. Um, I believe it's a it's a 2010. I just I bought it used. I didn't have a mountain bike uh, prior to this race, and I got it, you know, just a couple months beforehand. And um, it's just uh, one option I found that that seemed to to be fitting. Um, it came with a, a suspension fork, a RockShox Reba, and I decided I wanted to um, to get rid of that just for uh, for a little extra weight savings. And supposedly the race wasn't going to, you know, the the terrain wasn't going to be terribly technical. Um, you know, there obviously there were there were places where I would have definitely preferred a suspension fork. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I just rode fully rigid. I got a carbon, carbon front fork. It was a, the drivetrain is a, uh, was a three by, um, which is, you know, a little bit, I guess, old school nowadays, potentially, um, throwing in a little bit of weight, but it was good to have that, uh, that extra gear ratio for climbing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think they're both totally legit setups and I, it's, what I love about bike packing is that you can have such a huge spectrum of bikes in the field of a race and they all have their strengths and weaknesses. I feel like mm-hmm. for bike yep. packing races, like multi-day events, there is no perfect bike, right? Some right. bikes yeah, are going to do great in some situations and then some are going to do great in other situations. So, um, you know, finding the balance that works for you is really important. Yeah. Just figuring out what makes you, 
you know, what makes you feel most comfortable and what's going to be able to, to, uh, lug the, the gear that you plan on bringing along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let's see. So, so leading into the race, um, you and your wife, Trish, uh, you guys have an awesome adventure van. <laughs> yeah. And you ended up taking that up to, uh, to British Columbia for the start. Yeah. So that's what we had been using. Uh, Trish is also a really avid cyclist. So, um, you know, leading up to the BC Epic, we would go out for the weekend, uh, with our camper van to different parts of Oregon and spend the weekend somewhere beautiful out in the middle of nowhere and, and do Mm -hmm. these cool rides. And then she actually went up to BC with me and then was kind of doing her own alternate vacation, uh, while I was out racing and her vacation of course meant uh she was doing a lot of her own cycling all over british columbia yeah that's awesome so um what was just what was great about the camper and in that situation was uh how flexible she could be um you know (laughs) randomly we we i'd be riding the race and go by and here trish is over on the side of the road with her camera (laughs) taking pictures and saying keep going keep going i just wanted a picture so it was I think it was really fun for her to get to follow along on track leaders and surprise me and say hi at certain points. Um, and then also to get to do her own vacation. So, um, so yeah, the camper van actually played a pretty crucial role, uh, for us leading up to the race. Yeah. I, I definitely would say I'd appreciate it because I got some, Trish got some awesome, awesome photos of me too. So worked out in my end as well. (laughs) Yeah. I remember one time she said that she saw you, and you, I think you stopped and you were like, Whoa, did you see that snake? Yeah. Yeah. We both like rode by at the exact same time. And, uh, I just ridden by a snake, um, on this gravel path, which I thought was just like a massive log. And, uh, I saw her like, look at it. And I was like, she, there was like an expression there. I think she realized it may not have been a log also. <laughs> So I just like stopped and we both like turned around at the same time and uh, just like started walking over to it or like um, pushing our bikes over and we're like, what is that? Okay. Yeah. That's definitely a massive snake. A huge snake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was, it was really cool for her to be out there too. And she got to ride little bits of the BC Epic along the way uh, and then her own rides as well. But, um, but yeah, camper van's definitely the way to go. Yeah. And that definitely helps with, um, I was super fortunate because my partner Naya, uh, drove out with me and then kind of did the same thing. She didn't have a camper van. She had our, uh, our Jetta. (laughs) So not as comfortable in that aspect. Um, but she did her own little vacation down to, uh, um, to the finish in Fernie and, uh, man, yeah, it was awesome, especially logistic wise where, um, you know, she was just there at the finish with me and she was able to, uh, to start the drive home <laughs> when I was maybe not in the best shape to, uh, definitely very fortunate and grateful for that. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, logistics for these races is really challenging. Um, especially these bike packing races that are not out your front door. Um, you know, the tour divide, it's, it's a pretty challenging one to figure out how logistically you're going to get that started. Right. Yeah. Um, cause it's up in Banff. That's where you start. So, um, you know, I know for us this summer, we kind of had to plan it out and I'm going to fly out to Banff and then ride the divide. And then Trish is going to drive out to Antelope Wells. Oh, okay. Nice. Um, to pick me up. So I, so again, like another mini vacation for another mini vacation, <laughs> but for people that are trying to figure out logistically how to do that race, I think it's, it's challenging because Antelope Wells is out kind of in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I've heard. It's like, you know, people talk about how they finish the race and then all of a sudden you've got to ride more (laughs) to get to wherever you're going to, uh, to sleep or get to a car. That sounds brutal. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Especially when that was the goal and then you're, yeah, (laughs) you're, you're done. But, uh, I guess you just set up camp on the border and figure it out the next day. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of, um, in terms of logistics for the race, um, you know, I guess we can just get into it. Like, did you, did you do any, any pre-planning for, um, for, you know, like food, uh, water, shelter, um, or did you kind of just 
decide to uh to play it by ear throughout the race for the bc epic yeah yeah um you know i did a little bit of reconnaissance just looking over the map to make sure there weren't any huge uh spaces between towns the cool thing about the bc epic is that you really it seems like you're always what 60 miles away from a town Mm -hmm. um so you know after i had gone over that and triple checked all of my all of the spots basically what i did is um i they uh, the bc epic organizer leonard pretorius provides like a cue sheet that shows where uh each town is the mileage that you'll be at at each of those towns and then what kinds of amenities that town has so i did print that off i kind of changed it a little bit to make what what was just important to me um and i had that in a ziploc bag to to kind of just check off as as i got to each section um but other than that you know i I was going back and forth, tent or no tent. I ended up not bringing a tent. I just and I didn't even bring a sleeping bag actually. Um, oh I man, just, brave! <laughs> I just brought a bivy, and I wouldn't do that again. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, I think I think it's just not. I really lucked out with weather, but if it had been different, um, and I had gotten stuck out in the middle of the night in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. um, in the rain or the snow. I think I would have been, I would have been in a little bit of trouble. So, um, you know, for the BC Epic, I think you can make that work, especially if you're like Seth and <laughs> you don't sleep anyway. So, um, you know, Unintentionally. For, him, <laughs> for, for him that works, but uh, if you're thinking you're going to sleep, then yeah, you got to have a better setup than that. I think. Yeah, it's uh, and and that's always kind of the catch twenty two for these races because that's um, that's a, the sleep system is a lot of weight. You know, if you're trying to, if you're trying to uh, focus on like comfort or or um, safety, and as opposed to kind of taking a risk and being a little bit more lightweight. And I know after the race, uh, when I and I were driving, um, driving home from, and kind of getting to the border of crossing Canada back into Oregon. Um, it was downpouring like torrential downpouring. The only thing I could think of was like those poor people like that are still riding right now. Oh man. Yeah. It was interesting because I think you and I, we basically, I mean, there was a little bit of sprinkles throughout. I mean, it was Mm -hmm. never, never like an actual, like, downpour or like even a rain yeah we were really fortunate yeah um but i know as soon as i finished and you you had been done for hours at that point like a half day at that point um but as soon as i finished i went into the van to take a nap and it just started pouring okay and (laughs) i think that what story goes that there were a couple people up at the top of do you remember what that pass was called in the bc epic uh the main pass you do um it's like a five thousand foot climb yeah. Uh, Just off the ferry. Oh, Gray Creek? Is it Gray Creek Gray Pass? Gray Creek Pass. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Good job. That yes. was, oh man. Yeah. Just a quick, quick interlude, I guess. That was, what, five to 6,000 foot climb. Average gradient of like eight to 9% all gravel. That was like, that was exciting. It was pretty, <laughs> yeah. That was a good one. That was hard. Um, and it really gets you up high quickly. Um, obviously you're up over 6,000 feet up there and the weather so not changes. not the place you want to be for that. <laughs> and there were a number of people that got stuck up there and they said that it was just like a weird ice storm that was happening up top. They tried to take shelter. Um, and a number of people scratched because okay. they were up yeah. there and they, they didn't feel comfortable riding in that condition. And luckily a truck was coming up over the pass at that time. And, wow. um, I think it was two female riders, asked if they could hitch a ride with him and mm-hmm. had to scratch and just and get down man that's down the mountain that's so. some uh some fortunate timing because that's yeah that's not a place you want to be yeah and even in the weather. best conditions you know i had we uh i was riding with two other guys as we were kind of cresting the top of that pass uh, and we just crested it before dark and then bombed down before it got too treacherous but um, trying to navigate that downhill uh, for the BC Epic on Great Creek Pass, uh, in any sort of weather would be pretty treacherous. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, well, I guess we uh, 
I kind of skipped us forward a little bit, but <laughs> do you want to um, do you want to give a little overview of uh, of your experience with the race? You know, starting from starting from the beginning of it. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, you know, going into a race like that, you don't know what to expect. And I think at the very beginning, I kind of went out trying to stick in general with with some of the leaders, and uh, two of the guys in particular were really cruising. Um, uh, and I thought, you know, I really need to ride the pace that I feel comfortable, uh, going the, and, and a pace that I feel like I can hold on to, um, all day. Mm-hmm. So I, I let go of that kind of faster pace pretty early. And, um, and that first day, you know, it's just really fun. You see a lot of people, uh, a couple people might pass you and then you might pass a couple people, uh, the first town you get to, everybody's kind of stopping at different places. There's an A and W. Um, yeah, I know we saw each other at a uh, at um, a grocery store, like a a uh, natural food co-op or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was so fun. Like I, I think uh, you were having uh, having your seat post issue at that moment. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so yeah, the first day was a total blast. It was so fun. Um, just kind of, I, you know, you come up to people and you talk with them a little bit and then you separate. Um, but my, I was having issues and, um, I had my, my seat tube had been totally, uh, dry. So right before the race, I decided, you know, of course it's really good to make last minute mechanical (laughs) decisions. I decided to grease it up a little bit, uh, before I started and I'd be riding, uh, throughout the day and I'd just be like, man, my knees are not feeling very good, which is not like I don't have any knee issues. Um, and I'd get off my bike and look and, you know, my seat kept just, I was noticing it was just slowly dropping, Mm -hmm. uh, throughout the day. And I had to fix it three or four times that first day until I, I finally got to the whole food store and that was (laughs) probably around four or five o'clock. I'm guessing. Um, Yeah, that sounds about right. I don't remember what town we were in. Um, but it was finally, I got there and I just grabbed some paper towels out of the bathroom there and totally wiped down my seat post. Uh, mm-hmm. so it was back to exactly how it had been at the start. And then I didn't have that issue anymore, but, um, that was my only mechanical <laughs> of the entire trip and it was complete user That's error. Huge. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, that was, that was cool. It was fun to see, see you there at whole foods. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and, you know, you took off before I did. Um, and then it was, we, you take off from that town, man, I wish I could remember what that town was called. I should have pulled it up. Um, and then if I remember right, we started to climb shortly after that. Right. And it's pretty much a long slog climb. Yeah, I believe so. Um, it's a, you know, that was a pretty big town that we went through, but, uh, yeah, a long kind of slow slog where, uh, I ended up running into a number of people, like passing a couple people, um, you know, as we were going up this climb and this one guy came jumping out of one of the public restrooms. His name's Phil Higuera. And, uh, he and I just, neither one of us could drop each other on these climbs. <laughs> uh, we kept one would pass and then the other one would pass. And eventually we kind of settled into the same pace and, uh, started talking and, before we knew it, we were just having a great time riding, uh, into the dark, um, and coming up over this pass where we could see out, uh, the city out in the distance. Uh, it was, ended up being, it was Kelowna. Oh, okay. Yeah. I remember um, that climb. That was, yeah. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, shortly after we looked out and it was totally dark and we were doing night riding, my first real experience night riding. Um, I ran into Seth again and yep. Seth had been riding with a guy named mark mm-hmm. yeah, yeah i don't remember mark's last name um and yeah, i don't either sorry mark <laughs> i know and <laughs> then another guy robert bigelow came hauling up behind shortly after and so suddenly we had five guys um just ripping through the night on these really small gravel and dirt roads um you know up up in the mountains together and it was such a fun uh way to finish that that evening uh, of writing. Yeah, that was, that was a complete blast. And I do remember the climb. Um, one of the great things I love about that was, uh, the, the trestles, because most of this is a, a rail to trail, uh, or a rail trail. 
um, route. So it's, you know, it's gravel and it used to be an old, an old, um, railroad track. And so we're going over these old, um, train trestles, uh, overlooking this like beautiful, like cityscape. And, um, I forget what the body of water was, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was just fascinating. And then like having you guys come up and riding with uh, a group of, I forget, like five or six guys, um, through the night, like through this single track, it was, yeah, that was, that was a blast of an experience. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's, you know, that's, I'm, I'm guessing, um, that that's pretty, a, a very common experience to a lot of stuff is such a blur on these races. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you know, the towns go by so fast cause you're just in and then you're out. Um, cause you're trying to just move quickly and be efficient. Um, but you know, that was one of the highlights was getting to just like all of us coming together and then just all of us really just flying through the night. Um, we were definitely, yeah, we were ripping. Yeah, and I remember Phil trestles. was just like, he, I think he started that one for sure. <laughs> yeah. This guy filled it. I ended up actually writing most of, most of the BC Epic with he and I just, we uh, were kindred spirits and um, both kind of talkers. So we would just chat for, uh, a lot of the ride, especially the climbs and stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, he just was a killer rider. He's a really good, uh, mountain biker from Montana. And, um, we got onto these kind of like little double track and, uh, you know, flying over these trestles in the middle of the night. And he was just having a heyday. So he went and booked it out in front of everyone. And then the rest of us were all just trying to fly to keep up with him. Um, so it was, yeah, that was a cool experience. So speaking of, um, uh, you mentioned riding through the night was your first, was your first time. Um, how was that experience? <laughs> well, I'm glad that I did it. My first, that, that first experience was with some other people. Cause okay. I think it yeah. can be a little bit intimidating and, uh, especially when you're in areas you don't know and seem like we maybe were in bear country, which we were cause the next morning I saw mm-hmm. a bear. So, um, <laughs> you know, I think, I think you definitely, uh, it, it can be a little disconcerting if you're un if you're not used to it. So, right, yeah. um, but with, with other people and having a light that, you, you know, gives you confidence in the nighttime, um, man, it's really exhilarating too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, you know, flying through the night and all, you kind of have this cool tunnel vision when you're night riding that you don't have, um, when you're riding in the day and we missed out on some cool views of these trestles that we were riding over, uh, which is a bummer, but it was also really fun to go flying over these old trestles. You know, there's a huge drop off on either side right. <laughs> and you're just flying because all you can see is this little tunnel of light in front of you. So definitely um, just adds to the experience. <laughs> it, it does. And it, it kind of, it's, it changes things up a little bit because I think with, you know, with biking, um, <clears throat> things can get monotonous when you're riding all day. Right. So yep. night riding definitely can wake you up. Yeah. Yeah. Especially early in a race. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. That yeah. was, yeah, that was going to be my next question with, um, you know, with these type of races there, you're, you're always balancing, um, how you want your, your sleep pattern to be. Um, so what did, did you, did you kind of think about this beforehand or did you, um, kind of just choose to, uh, to play it by ear. And, um, you know, did you, did you deal with the, uh, the sleep deprivation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think I, I had thought through what I wanted to do and my plan, I wanted to sleep the first night because I'd never gone, um, without any sleep for an entire night of riding before. And mm-hmm. I, I hadn't experimented with that at all in my training. So I knew I wanted to sleep the first night and then I would just see how things went. Okay. Yeah. And it was interesting because looking at what the leaders did, um, the people, the, the three people that finished ahead of me, all three rode through the night mm-hmm. and it just, um, for a race as short as the BC Epic, I think you really, if you're wanting to be a leader, one of those top finishers, I think you do kind of have to embrace that sleep deprivation a little bit more than what I was ready for, for that first time. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, first night I slept probably 
three or four hours. Um, at least I was in my bivy freezing for three or four hours. <laughs> That's probably like the extent you can, you can stay in a bivy at that temperature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's so cold. I was just like, okay, screw this. I'm going to get up. But, uh, but yeah, then the next, the next day, I think I ended up, we made it to Castle Guard. Does that name ring a bell? Yeah. yeah Castle Guard. <laughs> yeah. I think the second night, um, again, got there and the plan was to sleep at a hotel mm-hmm. and actually get a decent amount of sleep and then just ride the rest of the way. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so that was what I did. Um, ended up being, I ended up being with two other guys at that point that we were all kind of the same pace. Um, so us, th- there were four of us that stayed at the hotel. One had to scratch that night. He was, he was injured. Um, but then three of us left the next day and did our best to ride through the night. Um, trying to catch this third place rider who's mm-hmm. just so happens to be the um creator of the route leonard pretorius right. <laughs> and uh you know we never were quite able to catch him he always was just it seemed like on track leaders uh five miles ahead of us or so and um, he seemed to be riding incredibly consistent yeah he was a really yeah. consistent rider and he he knows the route so well too so i think he really he micromanaged the route out exactly how he knew he needed to ride. Um, so, so yeah, we rode through most of the night on our third night, um, ended up almost catching Leonard, um, in a kind of okay. weird situation. We stopped at a gas station and ended up stopping for a little while longer than we should have. Cause we were all just dead tired and it was like two or 3 AM. Um, and Leonard had looked on track leaders and he was in a hotel about five miles up the road and had seen us. And it looked like he thought that we had stopped for the night. So he went to bed and fell asleep. Uh, Meanwhile, we're catching up and we're in the town that he is in and he wakes up to an ambulance. And this is all he told us this in retrospect. Um, Or I'm sorry, after the race was done, but he said Mm -hmm. he woke up to an ambulance that it went, flying by his hotel and he just looked he's just like yeah well i'm up i'm just gonna look at track leaders and saw that okay. we were a mile behind his hotel <laughs> and so he booked it out of that hotel and then yep. just started ripping um meanwhile the three of us had no idea we were that close to him um and we were riding through the night we were all kind of in low spirits nobody was talking to each other we were all kind of falling asleep on the bikes um, knees were hurting, ankles were hurting, and one of us noticed we had reception. Pulled out the phone, and here Leonard's a mile ahead of us. Oh man! And we had all been like, "Should we just stop? I mean, we're not going to catch him. Let's just sleep, and then just finish this thing out." And we weren't sure if we were going to race each other at that point either. Um, at the end, and seeing Leonard a mile ahead of us made all of us like, "Nope." We've got to get right. a second wind. Let's go. So then then the race was on. And um, <laughs> we we were flying. We came up to this single track section with about probably what? There's like 100 miles to go or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were just flying through this single track section. Um, and actually, like, we're kind of like hooting and hollering the whole way, like, as we were riding this. And Leonard said he could hear us. Yelling, oh no way flying around corners and stuff yeah uh, and like yelling and um having a good time i believe it. i remember that that was that, i was totally in the same mental state like i was <laughs> i was like there's no way no anybody is like riding the single track as fast as i am right oh man yeah just like the mindset and it was just yeah it was incredibly fun but yeah super super twisty and windy so i'm sure that you know no matter where he was, he was probably not far away. Like right. as the, as the Eagle flies or as the Hawk flies, whatever that saying totally. is. <laughs> yeah. And he, he did end up pulling away from us a little bit there enough. So that like when we finished that single track, it was just becoming light on the third day or that would have been coming up on our fourth day. Um, and we decided just to like take a one hour nap so okay yeah so yep. the longest i went on the bc epic without sleep was like 25 or 26 hours um and we took an hour nap and then we all just kind of limped it limped it in for the last 50 or 60 miles 
and uh and it's really hard not to limp it in with the uh the terrain that you deal with over those last 50 to 60 miles it's rough it's some really steep grades some really chunky i wouldn't call it gravel i would just call it mm-hmm. rock yeah I mean, it's yeah. just chunky four by four uh rock roads and uh yeah i mean my experience with we we did it during the day so it was just about like settling in you it's it is technically rideable but you really have to focus while you're riding it um and then yeah the last little bit is kind of an easy victory victory right. a couple miles at the end but yeah it's but like yeah we you know we had we had a pretty um our experience in that section wasn't that bad because it was bright outside it was it was morning time um but i know that for the three leaders mm-hmm. you guys were all doing that at night right yeah yeah it was uh it was definitely one of the i guess like the creepiest nights of my life <laughs> it was i mean on top of like the you know the really chunky um steep gravel uh there was that there was like the single track where there was um it was kind of like waist high grass um and i i encountered uh two um two little bobcats at night um and uh you know they they just like looked at me and they jumped out of the way um but the whole time i was just like where's you know where's the mom <laughs> and uh i promptly like just started cruising and got lost like off that trail five minutes afterwards um and so i was just like walking around in this in this uh this like hip high um grass field or grass field that's like you know hip length and i took my my front flashlight off my bike so i could sweep the grass like hoping (laughs) hoping there weren't any uh any little cougars um tracking me but yeah it was uh yeah it was an experience for sure (laughs) yeah i cannot imagine and at that point you know you had only i i think i probably ended up getting seven and a half hours of sleep throughout the race maybe even Mm -hmm. a little bit more than that but at that point you were sitting on 30 minutes of sleep right yeah yeah right around there so (laughs) (laughs) you know just like total sleep deprivation i would imagine no energy Mm -hmm. i mean the one thing i would say is um it it definitely gave me energy not you know not the type that i wanted <laughs> more like more like jittery jello legged energy <laughs> yeah away from the sleep deprivation uh, total terror i guess would be right that too. <laughs> but, yeah i was happy to just finish man so cool um yeah yep so so you get to uh you get to the finish and um the three of you decide to did you decide to finish at the same time Yes. So we, um, when we decided to take a nap, um, around four or five o'clock in the morning, um, at that point, um, we had seen Leonard was ahead of us and Phil, like he decided (laughs) he's such a funny guy, but he decided to call it the Dawn Accord. Uh, okay. (laughs) He said, guys, we need to discuss the Dawn Accord as we were kind of riding with the sun just starting to come up. He's like, I think we should finish together. <laughs> and creating the gentleman's gentleman's agreement. Basically. Yeah. He just, he didn't, um, he was like, we've, we've written, you know, a lot of this thing side by side. And, um, you know, Robert, who we'd been riding with as well had, gotten a flat and we'd we'd waited for him uh while he was kind of getting this fixed and luckily sealant kind of sealed it up but you know 10 Mm, minutes here 10 minutes there and we'd all been kind of just like verbally um allying together throughout this race yeah yeah and being encouraging to each other so it felt kind of weird there at the end with you know at that point um when he said that it was probably with 50 or so miles to go um, it was just kind of weird to be like, do we compete here or do we just finish together? And, um, I think Robert was kind of on the fence and I said, you know, I'll do whatever you guys 
whatever you guys think because i'm i'm fine with finishing together as well sure yeah and um in the end you know phil's positivity won out um <laughs> you know i think uh all three of us i think we're strong riders in different ways and it would have been really interesting to race it out at the end but um i also think it was it was really fun and really special especially with the first bikepacking race yeah for all of us to finish together and for phil it was his first race and for robert it was his first completed race okay awesome so he had done the bc epic the year before and had to scratch shortly after the ferry so um so yeah we decided to finish together and kind of finished as a fourth place tie yeah 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 fourth place and I, i wrote this down in uh three days six hours and 31 minutes which is um averaging just over 200 miles a day i believe yeah and uh that's for a thousand kilometers um what is that about 650 miles and Mm -hmm. the uh just over 650 and the the route i think was um it was about forty thousand feet in an elevation climbed oh correct yeah that's possibly yeah 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 (laughs) that would that would make sense over 640 miles Um, yeah so that was, I mean, that is for a, for a first event. That's, that's pretty, pretty incredible. Yeah. It definitely. was, it was really cool. And it's fun to, it's fun to have guys like you around that, um, you know, as well as I, as, as good as I felt after finishing that, it was cool to see another Oregonian up there just kicking butt, um, and finishing even faster. And, you know, the first place finisher was another Oregonian. I know. Yeah, that was, that that was awesome. (laughs) And it was, it's just really cool. And I think since then, um, it's been fun that the, the finisher, uh, the first place guy was Tom Hainish. And, um, you know, I think all three of us have kind of been in communication since then in little ways. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely. You know, getting to ride together, I think in the spring will be really fun as we're training together. Um, so, so yeah, it's just, uh, as cool as it was to finish that fast, it's fun to have other people close by in the Oregon community, bikepacking community, uh, that I can see that will keep pushing me to go faster. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's, it's, um, that's, yeah, that's what I like about the sport. Like there's, there are a lot of people who are, I, you know, I said this earlier, who are willing to, you know, to share their knowledge. It's not, it doesn't seem like uh, the type of sport where people are are closed off and trying to trying to hide their secrets about their races or anything. Like everybody's everybody's on their own journey with these races, so uh, most people are aware of that and you know just willing to share their knowledge. Totally, I agree. I love that about this sport. You know, you can find pack lists online. Um, you can find uh, nutrition plans, training plans. Um, so it's just a really open community and um you know there's facebook pages that you can refer to um there's tons of bloggers out there there's podcasts so um just a lot of information that you can seek out with this with this sport um to learn yeah yeah definitely well um as a uh, as a wrap up is there is there anything that you would have um, I guess done differently for, for preparing for the race or, mm-hmm. um, for gear or any, uh, any suggestions to anybody getting into their first race the first time? Yeah. Um, as far as, as gear goes, I'd probably bring a sleeping bag, even though I didn't really use one, um, or didn't <laughs> just sounds a lot more comfortable. It, <laughs> it would have just been smart to have as a, as a back, like just in case. Um, but other than that, I felt pretty dialed with my setup. Um, and training, you know, this year for the Tour Divide, I'm going to really start intentionally training in January. Um, so that's going to give me like three, actually more than that, almost four additional months of training time. Uh, yeah, yeah. Than, than what I had for the BC Epics. So, um, so yeah, I think that'll be a little bit different. I'm going to, I'm going to do a lot more gravel uh, races, just kind of local races in the area as well to kind of practice um just kind of pushing it a little bit harder on the bike um so yeah i think my training will look a little bit different this year and um yeah for new people in the sport i think 
you know, if you can connect with somebody that's done it before, that's a really mm-hmm. awesome way to get started. Um, but you know, I think a lot of people don't have anyone to start with. They, they just go out and do it. I know for me, it was, uh, you know, I, my, my first bike packing experience was with a guy that, uh, delivers coffee to my door by bike. And he and I just went out and did this gravel mountain bike ride together one weekend. And he That's was awesome. using a trailer <laughs> and using <laughs> riding single track with a trailer in the back. Did he have his coffee with him? No, but he did have his <laughs> sign on his trailer for his coffee. Um, and I was, I was at the time, um, you know, I had like a big foam pad just strapped down with bungee cords to my top tube. And, um, I mean, my setup, I, when I look back at it, it was just kind of laughable, but it worked and I had a great time. Um, so, you know, you can do it with anything and you can, Mm -hmm. if you have some backpacking camping gear, you can, you can bike pack. So, um, I'd say just find an easy route that's near you that somebody's already created and just go give it a try. Yeah, that's awesome. Great point. Um, bikepacking.com. That's a, that's a great resource to find routes. I know you've, uh, you've published at least one route on bikepacking.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, yeah, you have any, any closing words? No, I, thanks for, thanks for coming over and you ever want to talk bikes? Come on back. Definitely. We'll do. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for hosting me. I really appreciate you, um, uh, joining the podcast, the first episode. And, um, if anybody wants to, to follow Ben on his adventures, uh, his blog is pedalpacksandpinos.com. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Thank you again for listening to the Experience by Bike podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to leave a comment and a five-star rating in iTunes. That'll help bring more visibility to the podcast. In addition, if you subscribe, then you'll keep up to date on all the new episodes that are coming out. In the upcoming second episode, I'll be talking about the Steens Mazama 1000. This was my first self-supported ultra-endurance bike race that I participated in last year. I'll just be discussing... Um, what I did to prepare for it, the gear that I utilized, um, the experience that I had. The Steens Mazama 1000 is a thousand mile um, mixed terrain race that takes place in Oregon. It's just a large loop and it's about 80 for, 85% road, 15% gravel. Um, also, if you have any questions about the race uh, or about my preparation, anything like that, feel free to get in touch with me. For Instagram, that's at experiencebybike. And then email Seth at experiencebybike.com. Um, I'll be I'll do my best to answer any of those questions in this upcoming episode. Thanks again.